Attention, please. <laughs> Santa Fe and Disneyland passenger train, E.P. Ripley, now loading on track number one. Board. The Sports Biz Radio, broadcasted live from WNHU on the campus of the University of New Haven. This is Rob Thompson. We are live on LinkedIn. This is Game Plan You Today. And uh, we're going to have another special guest, a, a guest that came through our cohort program in the spring and probably one of the toughest times in our economic world that we live in ever in our career. Uh, so starting a business during these times are um, certainly, or even before these times, and not giving up is a special badge of honor for, for anybody who's going through it. Uh, so as you know, I bring on guests that are um, that are in the industry, uh, certainly are entrepreneurs that come through our program at Game Plan You, uh, and then we like to have them and provide this platform for them to share their story. So we're gonna we're gonna bring in Max Montre. He's the founder of Sports Trace, and it's an unbelievable platform. Really, really super cool on player performance, analytics, data, all that good stuff. He'll talk about it because I know I'm probably crushing it right now. Um, but we're going to bring him on in a, in, a, in, a, in a couple of minutes. He's going to walk us through kind of his career, uh, his journey to get to where he is, what it's like surviving as an entrepreneur in this world that we live in right now, and just head down, driving forward. So I'm going to bring Max on right now. Here you go, Max. How you doing, buddy? What's up, Rob? What's up, everybody out there? I'm doing good. I, I'm just glad I still have, you know, you could hear me. And I'm glad nothing Exactly. Else. <laughs> the technological challenges of our day. We're, yeah, we're well, before, well, I, you know, I mean, you, sometimes you just don't know and you you get around it, I guess. So let's talk, let's talk about, let's talk about, you know, your journey. I know um, sure. you're, you're a Syracuse guy, you know, right? That's right. You, you came That's out right. of Syracuse. Yeah. And yep. uh, was, was technology and you I mean, you're, you're a mathematics major, right? So, was was talk about like what what was it about technology uh, that was such an interest to you? Did it happen before you even went to Syracuse? It did. It did actually. Um, so my father had introduced me to technology by giving me a computer, making me take it apart, put it back together, and then start programming with it. Um, it was obviously something that I'd let fall by the wayside for a while, but picked it back up in college. And what was really appealing about it to me was building things, making stuff that worked, seeing those demonstrable results. It was always very cool to have something in your hands when you were done that did something. I'm back. I'm back. I, I went away for a second there. Yeah. No. <laughs> so was it, was it, um, was your dad a tech guy way back yeah. when, or did he just saw your talents? Not before, you know, before there were, uh, decidedly real jobs in tech, right? That he was kind of what I'd call programmer and a network administrator. So he was figuring out things before there was really an industry around it uh, back in New York City for actuarial firms. Wow. And then he was like, Max, this is where your skill set is. You got to go all in on it or, you know, he just saw the future for you. But, what well, you yeah. know, um, Syracuse, why Syracuse? Uh, fun fact, I actually really wanted to be an architect and technology actually helped with that later in my career. I, uh, in creating some software, I get the opportunity to take some time off 
and actually pursue an architecture degree, but not at Syracuse. So Syracuse ended up being the default because it was the closest to where I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, but yeah, it was a nice place besides the snow, I guess you'd say. Well, you know, you knew that going in. <laughs> exactly. I sure know it now if I didn't. Yeah. So, you know, kind of coming out of Syracuse and looking at yeah. your career, was being an entrepreneur anywhere in the conversation or was that something that just evolved over time? You know, not at the beginning. Uh, at first it started out, you know, let's, I was just kind of hanging out after Syracuse and all the snow, I decided to go to San Diego cause the sun was nice. Uh, and I fell back into technology in, in terms of a job. There was uh, a boss I had, he gave me two quotes for a new network, a new server that they were going to have. And he said, go figure out what this was. And, you know, I'm just out of college. I'm kind of freaking out about it. I called my dad. I asked him about it. I went through it rationally. I show up at work the next day. I tell this guy, here's the quote that I would go with. Here's the decision. Here's why he's like, great. The other one's cheaper. We're going to go with that, but you're still in charge. So that kind of drew me back in. I started creating automation around some of the systems they had internally. Then I got a call from a friend back in the East Coast. And he said, look, we're going to we're gonna start up a venture. I want you to be a part of it. And I went back to New York City. I didn't necessarily have an intention to go back East, but that drew me back there. Um, you know, fast forward a couple of years after that, created a couple pieces of software. Again, those went really well. Had a couple endeavors go really well. Took a little time off, went west. Microsoft called me up, got me back into it again. Um, it seems inescapable. So the, the entrepreneur journey has been kind of up and down with the different companies I've worked with and the different endeavors that I've been involved with. But this one's super exciting. What what do you see uh, from anybody who's getting into it? So if it's a high school kid right now watching or their parents watching, they know that their kid is, you know, into technology. Is yeah. it better to start off on the framework side or the IT, the network side to understand that part of it, the distribution in the back end? Or mm. do you think that development and coding and that side of the house? So I... I go on Reddit all the time and CS career questions, and I answer questions like this all the time. Don't even start with the technology, actually. Start with problem solving. In all the years of hiring that I've had in IT for engineers and for analysts, the first thing I want to know from them is, how can you solve problems? Like, tell you tell me the technology you want to do it in, even if it's, let's do something on the whiteboard. Let's do something on paper. Let's do something in Excel. That's totally fine. I want to understand if you can solve problems first. Then if I had to give advice to go anywhere, I would say understanding data. So data technologies, although I'm a bit biased, I used to teach SQL. I was a SQL engineer for a while. But I think since data is the underpinning of everything that people do, I would always start there, even if you want to be a front-end engineer, because ultimately you're going to have to interact with and interpret that data to display it in the user interface. Pretty interesting. I've, I've always wondered about that from, from the, that perspective. Do you, do you think from um, the traits of, you know, your personality of whether you're very creative or whether you're just more analytical or you're more of a finite thinker, you know, what, do those two worlds collide a little bit in, in software development? They have to. Um, you're you're creating so many things from scratch, right? And 
they're, you know, people have software development methodologies. They have ways that you can plan out an application, either agile, waterfall, whatever is, you know, the framework de rigueur these days. But at the end of the day, right, you have to be creative about how you're solving those problems. And you have to be analytical about how those things will work. I mean, we have conversations all the time internally here. You know, how how quickly will this application run? What is the total scale of the operation? Uh, how big can it get before we blow up, you know, the cloud? It, there, we have those conversations all the time. When will we hit limits? When will we have to start throttling people? So on that side, you know, we have to be very analytical about the problems. On the other side, how can we be creative about what we present to individuals? How can we walk in a user's shoes? What would they want to see? What's their aptitude? Is it is it technically different than ours? Like, what are they better at than us? We have to think about that all the time. So let's talk about working for a company like Microsoft. You know, the culture yeah. of it. Um, sure. You know, the how how much of their their disrupting the digital marketplace in a lot of ways. And they have been for, for years and decades now. Yeah. What was it like? What was the culture like? And, and did they, did you feel like you're in a position to be uh, creative and create new revenue streams for them? Especially I think your career was a lot within the e-commerce side. That's right. That's right. Um, so first I'd say Microsoft is a great place to work. It was Obviously, a difficult decision to leave, leave there, but I thought that Sports Trace is the right move for me right now. We have some great opportunities at hand, um, but you do have the opportunity to be creative. When I first got there, there are elements where you get to create your own job, literally. Like there are responsibilities that you have, but you have the creative freedom to think about how you would like to approach the challenges at hand and to uncover different problems for the entire business. Um, I did cut my teeth there in e-commerce. Microsoft was technically the first big company that I worked directly for, but it's a fascinating place. Incredible resources, um, incredible diversity of thought, individuals that just thought leaders in all the spaces you can imagine. You'd be walking down the hall and there's somebody that's on the cover of a magazine. It's amazing, right? Um, there were incredible opportunities there to be able to do new things. Like I was there when, you know, e-commerce really came into the foray and they started the retail stores. So I would, I would consider basically the relaunch of e-commerce for Microsoft and kind of the first endeavor there. But we grew that to, you know, hundreds of geographies around the world and then ultimately built that as a part of the Microsoft e-commerce ecosystem with the Xbox store and the Windows store. Um, I got the opportunity to work in security for Windows and the gaming platform. Just really amazing time there. Uh, it's a totally different area than what I was used to, but still, like I said before, data was the underpinning of everything that we did and security response, um, security reporting, and the state of security for really big properties that Microsoft relied on. Um, so there was so much of a difference that by the time that I got to Azure there, I had the opportunity to kind of work in the cloud as it was like becoming incredibly prominent everywhere you go and how I could help engineers that were building the services that other people built their solutions on. So the breadth of the kind of experience that I could have there, I mean, I'm not sure where else you could go to get that kind of experience, but the creativity that was involved, yeah, you, we had to solve crazy problems every single day. 
what were some of the some of the examples that you could give um, that skill sets that you learned and the foundation of what you learned, I guess, collectively from being an entrepreneur early on with startups and then going back to like smack dab in the middle of almost a 10 year run at Microsoft. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then what did you take to now? So what are some of those things that you've learned that you've been able to apply to your current business? Ooh, all right. So, I mean, I learned so much at Microsoft that it's hard to pin down any one thing. I would let me let me focus on team uh, because I thought that was incredibly important. When I went all in at a big company, one of the first things that I told myself was that I was going to take this seriously. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they kind of pay lip service to what they'll call corporate jargon. But I completely believed in the idea of growth mindset and being a lifelong learner. And then being able to apply to the teams that I worked with, whether it was as an individual contributor or as a manager, to be able to say, how can we develop diverse and inclusive atmospheres and a conversation so that we can get the best ideas out of everyone involved here? So it was really about what that culture looks like for me. I think there's the biggest learning. And, and with your with your current role now and you know you yeah. guys are out there rolling the dice now so um, <laughs> all those yeah rolling the dice stepping on the edge of the cliff you know with the parachutes on let's go um, okay. let's talk about it let's di let's dive into it and and just walk us through you know your new venture let's talk about how'd you come up with the idea and just take it from here sure so sports trace uh, it provides athletes with information about their most important asset, which is their bodies. And it does so with video automation that provides actionable recommendations. The idea is actually something that I worked on many years ago. Um, I don't know if anybody out there is familiar with the Xbox Connect, but in 2011, about a year after it was released, they released the software development kit for Windows. And I found out about this and I don't know, there was this spark of innovation in me that <laughs> I decided to take a day off of work. I went out, I bought this thing, despite the fact that I'd never played an Xbox and I didn't own an Xbox. I plugged it into my computer and worked you know, tirelessly through the night and just decided I'm gonna make something. I've played baseball my whole life. I love baseball. I wanna find out if this is something that I can work on and can help make athletes better. And a couple of days later, I had an application and it would be fun. It wasn't something serious like I was going to make into a business. I had a website just because I wanted to buy the domain name. <laughs> and uh, I actually took it to the cages. Some people were interested. I had some friends that played golf. They were interested too. And Rob, as you know, in the last couple of years, the, uh, the sports tech investments has gone up considerably. It is its own niche in terms of accelerators and capital and deal flow around these kind of endeavors. And I was starting to get pinged by accelerators and programs and investors about, hey, what is this sports trace? Uh, can we talk about it? So I'd had some conversations, which was great. Um, I got to meet incredible people. I actually got to travel the world. I got to go to Berlin, talk to some people about it. It was fun. But it was about a year ago uh, when an individual had approached me about the program and had asked, 
hey, can you do this with a regular camera? And that's when it got real for me. And that's when I sat down with Alex, my co-founder, and I said, can we really do this with just an everyday camera, like your cell phone camera? And, you know, for the last year we've been trying and it's been amazing. Like we have currently have a pilot program uh, with a U.S. university. Uh, baseball, again, has been great for us. Uh, we have a number of different universities on the wait list right now, but it's been so good that they've approached us about the data side of things, which is, you know, right in line with our experience at Microsoft. We said, of course, we can help with these kinds of problems. So it's been about going out and validating that there's a real market when interest was presented to us. It's been about creating a product that people want to use and that will actually help them. And it's been kind of about the continuation of that fulfillment of, you know, that initial spark of passion that I had. It's It's been a great drive so far. So talk about a little bit more, um, dive deep into the mechanics of, of, of the, the software and the hardware. Absolutely. So let me, I'll start with the user experience. So the idea is simple. You're an athlete or you're a coach or you're a team. You provide us with a video. And what we do is we automatically identify what the sport is. We automatically identify what activity in that sport is. So think baseball and then perhaps pitching. And then we'll recognize the body in 3D. Once we do all of those things, we essentially have this narrative over time where we can track how you're moving and we can understand how consistent are you from swing over swing, pitch over pitch, throw over throw, how consistent are you? And then based on the kind of measurements that are standard in that sport for that activity, how well are you performing? Are you within tolerance? Are you outside of tolerance? Once we make those determinations, I'd say, you know, based on some of the competition out there, that it would be easy enough for us to just throw that data back. But instead, what we do is we try to wrap it up tight and give it back to the athlete and say, here are the, the inconsistencies that we're seeing with your form and technique. Here are some recommendations for improvement. Here are some drills. Here are some products that might help with the way that you're training. Here's some information about that movement that might help you. Got it. Yeah. Wow. Sorry about the delay there. I was clicking away. I was clicking away back there. Take a sip. Yeah, I was going to say, it gives me a chance to take a sip of water. Take a sip of water. So let's talk about what's next. Let's talk about, you know, coming out of the marketplace that's been locked down What's yeah. been your mindset through this whole period of time? And what did you guys do to maybe say, let's go back to some of the things that have been on our list? You know, some of our things that we've wanted to get to, but maybe we didn't because we're just so ahead of it. What have you guys been able to do the last 90 days to really get ahead um, of, you know, where you want to go? That's a great question. Um, so first it was, it was easy to regroup for us. Um, we're a distributed team. Uh, and, that helped with, you know, shelter in place. Obviously, it kept us at, you know, social distance, for lack of a better term. Uh, it was helpful there. Uh, we were able to kind of get back, talk to our customers and say, we know that right now there might not be something that you can train with or where this may be valuable. 
we knew that with our initial primary target addressable market of baseball, that during this time in the spring, we would be heads down coding. So we kind of knew this was the plan from the outset, but it gave us the opportunity to get back to customers, talk to them more deeply, understand some of their other data concerns. And we've been able to address those. In fact, just this past week, we had, I think it was three calls with customers where we were demoing different parts of the product. How will we incorporate other data sources that they have? How can we make what we're doing kind of the keystone piece of their data story that makes sense of everything that they're doing? Well, it's always a good time. I mean, you know, the good news is that you guys didn't sit around and wait, you know, and what's next? No, 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 no. Rob, I'm trying to hustle like you, right? I'm out there making 30, 40 calls every single week just to prospective customers. And that's on top of the different inquiries that we're fielding from investors, accelerators, and just trying to get out there and talk to different kinds of founders too, like understanding what their experience and journey is like as well. So what is what is some of that advice that you would give to founders? You know, things that you have learned along the way in the last year and a half or two years. And what have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about the business and things that maybe you would have done a little bit differently? Uh, well, first, don't be shy. You got to always be hustling, right? It is It is incumbent upon you to, as the founder of a company, to present that leadership to everyone else, whether it's inside of your company or outside of your company, right? You have to kind of set that pace for how you act and how you deliver. Um, One of the things that I wish I would have done differently is actually like a greater amount of outreach than we're actually even doing right now. If we could find a way to scale that, we ask that question all the time. In fact, we were having a strategy meeting yesterday regarding a series of contacts that we're absolutely going to hit up. And we talked about it strategically and said, how can we approach this in a way that makes the most sense, but that also scales to the resources that we have? Because at the end of the day, look, you could talk about priority. You could talk about the things you need to do. Everything might end up being priority number one. You have to figure out a way to actually scale the work you're doing You have to figure out a way to know what's good enough. And that's a lesson that I've learned not just in this endeavor, but across all endeavors, right? What is it? uh, The saying something like great is the enemy of good enough (laughs) or perfection is the enemy of uh, getting things done, right? You, You have to know where to time box things and just get it done to the point where it's good enough for right now. And knowing how to draw that line is important. And being able to convey that to everyone else in the company is really important. Yeah, I agree. There's just, there's never going to be a perfect time, right? And it's never going to be 100% perfect and ready to go to market, right? So, you know, coming from the tech side, and I know that there's always that difference. There's, you know, I probably say it's 50-50, the founders coming in, those that are on the business, financial, or sold software before and have an idea. You're not, you're coming from a side that you understand. Obviously, you are a tech guy. You understand tech. You know how to build it. You know what you need. You know the capabilities. Yeah. What are what are some of the red flags? What are some of the concerns? What are, when someone's out there looking for a tech partner or a CTO yeah. to bring in a founder who's not a tech person? 
What were some of those things that you would look for and tell them to look for in finding a good tech partner? Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, we oftentimes we ask those kind of questions internally when we're considering other candidates as well. And I have a I have a long history of screening individuals for technical roles. Um, well, one, I again, I don't necessarily focus on the tech stack if there are if there are real specifics, you know, that you need a job done right now in more of a consultative role, then you might want to focus on, hey, is this person good with this language, framework, technology? All that's fine. Look for the kind of things where individuals, again, solve those big problems that they can explain that in a way that makes sense to you, that they can not just see the technical side of it, but understand the value proposition behind it. I say that because uh, we used to have a saying at Microsoft in terms of more like the product management side. The, the best engineers understand the product management role and the best product managers can absolutely understand the tech side of things, right? So I oftentimes look for kind of that crossover because you know, the best technical founders they can understand the side of the business. They won't necessarily or rather unnecessarily drive down on something just for the sake of the technology. There'll be value to the business, even if it's, it's not necessarily expressed in terms of the immediate sales or the user experience. Sometimes that's addressing technical debt. So it's on the one side. On the other side, I mean, obviously it's got to be somebody that you're compatible with, right? And that's that's a little tougher, right? Those are more soft skills. How can you, you know, understand another individual and their perspective, right? Can you both empathize with one another? It's more along the lines of the uh, emotional intelligence side of the equation. Yeah, that was great advice. That was, I couldn't wait to ask you that question, by the way. Um, it's just something that pops up a lot. You know, you hear these horror stories about founders coming out that aren't technical, you know, they don't have a tech background. Um, they're hiring third parties to come in and build out their software. They're spending a lot of money. You know, sometimes the code is just walking away with that person who developed it for them. And sometimes they got to come back and start over again. You know, so it's it's really a I think it's a place that understanding how much it costs, do your research, you yeah. know, if you're gonna just get together, if you're just gonna get an MVP of an app out. Anyway, so thanks for adding that too. No um, problem. And a and a good hedge against that. Like, look, if you have to go the third party route, there's nothing wrong with that. I've worked with some incredible partners in the past, both at Microsoft and otherwise. One thing that's a good hedge for that is you have a great advisor, right? As a, as a leader of any kind in a company, can you understand what your strengths and weaknesses are? And in the case of those weaknesses, how do you shore up those weaknesses? So it might be, hey, I have an advisor. I have a mentor. I have someone that I can reach out to that will be able to do some of those qualifications for me. Yeah. It's, it's all about building those teams around you, right? So well, Max, thanks for your time this Saturday afternoon. I certainly appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's, always it's my a- pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Oh, it's, it's uh, you know, th- thanks for sharing your story with us. And uh, of course. I, I know that, um, you know, this time that we spent, you know, the last, I don't know, six, 60, 90 days 
working yeah. through this program with game plan you and getting to know you and your and your platform it's uh it's really been a pleasure and i know we're going to continue working together so oh I'm, I'm excited for it the program has been top notch rob everyone that i've worked with at game plan you has been incredible I and mean, shout out to mike and denise specifically because you know i got the opportunity to work with them directly they're amazing you're great Thanks. So this has been awesome. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, I, I take amazing too, but I, you know I don't get it often. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I appreciate I appreciate that. This is something I love to do at this point in my career too, and you know, for for me, it, it fills up that karma that karma bucket, you know, of, oh, of totally. doing, doing totally. good things and good people, and and being able to choose who you want to work with is is so critical, you know. So oh, yeah, don't always get that opportunity. No, no, you don't. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so thanks. Thanks again for your time. And um, we will, I'm going to cut you loose here and you go enjoy the rest of your Saturday and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Rob. Take care. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, you too. And that's, that's mantra. There's his email right there, Max at sportstrace.com. So reach out to him if you have any questions. I mean, he's just a wealth of knowledge and, and technology, a super, super talented guy. And uh, we wish them nothing but the best. And I'm glad to be part of, you know, this process with him, although it was, it's been a funky 90 days, but man, I tell you positivity and just keep on going. You heard what he said. He just keeps on going, you know, he's out there, business development, business development, solving problems, reaching out to his customers and his clients and, and seeing, uh, you know, seeing what needs they have. So anyways, so that's it. Saturday afternoon, uh, game plan you today. That was Max down there. I, I know you probably saw him in some of the other programs that we have had out there as well. As if you watched, if you did watch our our our, um, our demo day showcase, uh, Max was on there. I and uh, so if you if you haven't, all our information is on. And I'm going to pop it up here because this is how high tech I am. So just go to subscribe at Sports Biz Radio on YouTube and iTunes and Spotify. Um, so this this content will be on there along with some of our other founders, or mostly all of our other founders, as well as uh, Max's demo pitch to our investors, uh, which happened a couple of weeks ago. So anyways, I'm Rob, um, and you're watching Game Plan YouTube today. In a little bit of time on your Saturday with Max and I, and we will see you soon. And thank you, everybody who gave us a shout out. There's Pete. Thanks, Pete. i certainly uh, glad you appreciate it. And uh, thanks for joining. As always, great supporter. So thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Take care.